Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Kicks and Dribbles. I'm Dan McClay. Bienvenue, benvindos, benvenute, bienvenidos. Ici, nous parlons do jogo bonito. Here we talk about the beautiful game. And my gosh, we've got a lot to talk about because we just had Champions League semifinals wrap up. And my goodness, they did not disappoint. Second leg, uh, not disappointing, as I said, Man City hosting PSG in the first game. And... Uh, <laughs> Weather kind of played a factor in this one. Uh, you know, Manchester, England's not really known for um, conducive weather conditions on a regular basis, okay? So uh, three hours before the match, a hailstorm, ice storm, I don't know what you want to call it, but it hit Manchester with a vengeance. So right before kickoff, what you've got, you've got about maybe 20 workers out there on the field trying to scrape off ice pellets about the size of small marbles that were just covering the whole pitch of the Etihad Stadium. They were able to get the touch lines in the penalty box areas, and that was about it before the game started. So the majority of uh, the, the, rather the first half was played on a pitch that was covered by uh, lights of ice pellets, and the majority of the pitch was covered. And uh, made for uh, <clears throat> interesting um, passes, you might say, some interesting cuts. Uh, from off the ball, uh, just, you know, treacherous going. So by halftime, the teams went in, and this time the stadium got a hold of about 50 to 75 workers with shovels, and they went out there and pretty much scraped the whole field um, off. Now, to make things a little bit more uh, dicey, a little more worse, you might say, the first uh, 10 minutes or so of the game was played in a driving rainstorm, and then the rain disappeared. Welcome to England. Welcome to northern England and the weather. So uh, after that, it didn't rain. Uh, they got most of the ice off. But if you looked at your TV when you turned it on, didn't know what had happened. It looked like there was snow packed around the uh, goalposts of, of either um, net area at the, on the field. It, it was rather bizarre looking for, for May, okay? But anyway, uh, the way it turned out, uh, Man City continued to play a game that I'm just going to say is just absolutely beautiful to watch. Their passing is poetry. Their uh, movement off the ball is unbelievable, and they play as a team. This is so important, and this is what Pep Guardiola has got this team believing, that they are one mechanized unit, and they are just playing some beautiful football. PSG, they have got great talent. They've got Di Maria. They've got Neymar. They've got other players that are just amazing to watch, but these are 11 individuals out there. PSG has got to learn a concept of teamwork, okay? This was lacking, again, in this game. And so Man City uh, went ahead and won the aggregate uh, by a score of 4-1, to one, and uh, Man City won the game 2-1, to one, and so uh, they're going to go on to the finals. Uh, again, Man City, now the one, the one statistic that stood out from the game, Man City had five shots on goal. PSG had zero. Yeah, that's right, zero. Man City's back line, just awesome. Just amazing. Always were in shape. Always lined up correctly when uh, when PSG came on the attack. It was just, it, it was a game that, that was just amazing uh, to see in the way that the ball was moved by Man City on a regular basis. And so uh, what Pep Guardiola has, has proven this year with this team is just absolutely incredible. So they will go on to the finals against Chelsea. Chelsea hosted Real Madrid uh, the next day down in Chelsea, North London. Weather was a little bit better, uh, some rain off and on, which is, of course, what you would expect in North London in May. Uh, when they went into the game, the aggregate was 
And so uh, basically what happened was Chelsea just out-hustled Real Madrid uh, in the game. Real Madrid looked somewhat lackluster, looked somewhat tired, looked somewhat out of rhythm, which for a Zidane team was just kind of amazing to me because you, with Zidane, he's for, for a French uh, soccer player who, who did so much uh, during his career, Zidane's a very organized person. And uh, he has run this team very, very well. But uh, Real Madrid just was out of sync for some reason uh, on this game and could not get anything done. Now, one of the uh, decisions that I really questioned by uh, Thomas Tuchel, the uh, coach of uh, Chelsea, was to start Kai Havertz um, instead of Christian Pulisic uh, for the game at the center uh, at center uh, midfield. Uh, apparently, the reason that um, Tuchel put Kai Havertz in there was because in a game that past weekend, uh, it was an EPL game against Fulham. Now, Fulham's not one of the stronger teams in the league. As a matter of fact, they're down in the relegation zone. But Kai Havertz got two goals. And Thomas Tuchel's reasoning was that because Kai Havertz got two goals, well, he needs to start in a Champions League game. Uh, I hate to tell Mr. Tuchel, but, you know, Fulham and Real Madrid aren't on the same uh, plane as far as talent is concerned. So I'm not really seeing why that made a difference. But, hey, Thomas Tuchel is the coach. He gets paid all the money. So, okay, he made the decision. Uh, as it turns out, it did not come back to bite him per se. Uh, Havertz had a fairly good game. Uh, he was pulled in the 65th minute for Christian Pulisic. Pulisic came in at that point. Chelsea was up one nothing in the match. And Christian Pulisic did assist uh, to, uh, to mount for the uh, second goal of the game. There, uh, Christian Pulisic came in about 65th minute, and the goal was scored around the 80th minute. So Pulisic did get some time in. Uh, again, he looks very, very good. This American has made an incredible difference for this Chelsea team. And I think Tuchel is realizing that that's going to be his ace in the hole next year when Chelsea starts off a new season. So uh, Pulisic, though, I'm looking forward to what this guy is going to do with the American team because he has blended in with them well during all the matches. And I am just excited as all get out about this uh, upcoming uh, CONCACAF qualifying along, along as with the uh, Gold Cup that's going to be coming up here in a few months. I think the United States is going to make a statement. I think they're going to show what they're really made of, and uh, it's going to be exciting. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, so to wrap up the Real Madrid-Chelsea situation, Chelsea won 3-1 to one on aggregate. They're going to play Real Madrid. Now, I'm sorry, no, they're going to play uh, Man City. Now, about the, uh, about the Champions League final, it was scheduled for Istanbul on May 29th. At this point, it looks like pretty sure that it's going to be pulled from Istanbul. The reason, Turkey has gone on a uh, lockdown situation because of COVID-19, and so it's just uh, deemed to be not an, uh, a good environment to travel to, especially from Britain. Uh, so what they're looking at is Wembley Stadium in London, which is a, a very... Uh, obviously good choice, kind of keep everybody together. Um, I, I, I would think that would be a, a very uh, common sense type decision. However, if for some reason the Wembley Stadium does not work out, for some reason they decide it's not going to do the trick, uh, Portugal has stepped up once again. Muito obrigado aos portugueses. Uh, the Portuguese have stepped up once again and have volunteered uh, the stadium in, um, in Porto, Estadio do Dragao which is the home to FC Porto, a beautiful stadium uh, and a beautiful area uh, of uh, Europe. 
And so uh, they've stepped up and said, hey, Estadio do Dragao is available for the Champions League final if you need to bring it there. So we'll see where it all ends up. But the last um, last I heard was that uh, Wembley Stadium was kind of in the running and they were just kind of working out some details to make sure that the game can go off with no problem. Now, moving on to the Europa League, uh, we almost had we almost had four English teams going head to head against each other uh, at Champions League final and Europa League final, but uh, Arsenal did not make it through uh, the semifinals. They lost to Villarreal. We had two Spanish coaches uh, working the game, uh, Villarreal with Unai Emery and Arsenal with Mikel Arteta. Uh, good, uh, a good series. Uh, it ended up with, uh, with Villarreal uh, coming out on top 2-1 in aggregate. The second game played at Arsenal was a 0-0 draw. The Man U-Roma series was... Bizarre, to say the least. I knew Roma was going to probably win the match at the Olympic Stadium in Rome, and I figured there was going to be some goals scored, but I didn't think that Roma was going to come up short uh, like they did. Uh, Man U, you remember, at Old Trafford, won their first game 6-2 to two over Roma with a bunch of goals in the second half. And then in the second half, um, in the second leg, rather, down at Rome in the Olympic Stadium, Roma comes up with three goals. Man U comes up with two. Man U wins on aggregate 8 to five. <laughs> wow. 13 goals in a two game series. That's just, phew. Uh, you don't hear about that very much in football anymore, do you? So anyway, it's going to be Man U Villarreal, a good matchup. This is going to be an interesting matchup because you've got Unai Emery, who's done an unbelievable job uh, since he took over at Villarreal, has led this team to play basically above their level. Uh, as far as talent is concerned, this is a team that just has just uh, come out. And that when you watch them on the field, Look at the way they're spaced and look at the way they run. And then you'll notice that they don't really overlap each other, that they play their positions absolutely with discipline. And this is, you know, Emery is just a great coach at, at this kind of stuff. And so he's got this Villarreal team believing in themselves, which is really amazing. Now, on the other side of the coin, Old Gunner's done a great job at Man U. Yeah, they came in second place. And yeah, the fans are uh, upset over the uh, ownership and all that. But Old Gunner has kept this team uh, focused on what they have to do. Okay, they're in second place in the EPL. I admit it, Man City is just a great team. So, But Old Gunner has done a great job with Man U. He's a very quiet coach. He gets his uh, job done. And um, this is a team with some talent. You got Bruno Fernandez, uh, among others, and uh, just a team that can, can score goals at a, at, at a drop of a hat. So I'm looking to see how Villarreal can handle Man U's front line, okay? This is going to be the, the, the test right there. Uh, will Man U score three or four goals in the final against Villarreal, or will Villarreal hold and play that choking type of game where they intercept in the passing lanes and uh, maybe get a couple of goals on breakaways? Man U's going to have to be a very, very aware that Villarreal has got some speed up front, and so that's going to be a key right there. However, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a Man U victory three to two, I'm thinking five goals uh, in the final of the Europa League. Now, that game will be played at the Stadion Miejski, which is in uh, Gdansk, Poland. That will be on Wednesday, May 26th at 3 o'clock Eastern time. And, of course, we will give you all the details on television, and uh, you'll be able to tune in for it. May 29th, of course, is the Champions League final. Uh, at this point, they're saying undetermined for the location. But, as I said, Wembley is being seriously considered. And so we will give you all that information when we get it. That will be on the next uh, program. So very good. Uh, that's what's going on with Europa League and uh, Champions League. 
excellent, excellent talent on display when those two games are played the last week of May, and uh, looking forward to seeing both games. Now, let's talk about some more talent that's going to be on display, and that's going to be the South American Copa, uh, Copa de America. And that's going to be played in two countries, Colombia and Argentina. And so they're divided into two. Uh, Colombia is going to host the North Zone teams, and Argentina will be hosting the South Zone teams. Now, in the past with this uh, tournament, they usually invite two teams from outside of the South American continent. Uh, the teams that were supposed to play in the 2020 uh, Copa America uh, tournament were supposed to be Australia and Qatar. Of course, Qatar being the host of the 2022 World Cup. Well, because of COVID and travel and all that good stuff, um, they're not going to play. So it's just going to be a tournament among the 10 South American teams. So it's going to be two uh, groups of five, Group A and Group B, and um, the top four in each group will uh, go through to a playoff. So, of course, there's only one team in each group that's not going to make it. Uh, I've got my teams picked as to who uh, will not make it, but uh, we'll let it go at that right now because it doesn't start till June. And we'll uh, when we get closer to that day, we'll make some predictions. Very good. Okay, so as I said, Colombia is the North Zone, and Argentina is going to host the South Zone. North Zone consists of the host country, Colombia, along with Brazil, Venezuela, Ecuador, and Peru. South Zone consists of a host country, Argentina, along with Bolivia, Uruguay, Chile, and Paraguay. So uh, some good um, matchups coming up. And just to give you a kind of a taste of the matchups we got coming up, um, first game, June 13th, is going to be Argentina against Chile in Buenos Aires. <laughs> Don't think people won't turn out for that game, folks. I mean to tell you what, those are neighbors. And uh, <clears throat> always one thinks the Benz, you know, they're better than the other. So uh, Argentina and Chile on June 13th. Then on June 14th, it gets a little bit better. Colombia is going to host Ecuador, and that's going to be in Barranquilla up there in northern Colombia. That will be a good game as well. So that's just a kind of a taste and a, and a sort of a tease of things to come. We'll talk more about that tournament as the games get closer. We'll give you all the scores and the breakdowns and who advances and all that. Bit. We'll follow it very closely. Okay, very good. Well, let's move on and uh, look at some, uh, at some leagues that are uh, still going on there in Europe. Uh, in the EPL, of course, Man City has already hosted the Cup to win the EPL. But you've got uh, a battle going on uh, behind and to see who's going to be in either third or fourth place when the standings are finally uh, finalized. So you've got Man United at 70 points uh, behind Man City. Then you've got Chelsea at 64, Leicester City at 63, and West Ham at 58. Now, David Moyes, of course, wants West Ham to get up into Champions League, and they're only five points out of that fourth position. So uh, they've got some games coming up that they should win and uh, be interesting to see if Leicester City can hold on to that spot. Uh, Chelsea, in the meantime, is uh, playing uh, good football. By the way, in case you saw, some of the people may have seen that uh, Man City and Chelsea played uh, this past weekend. A uh, guy in the third row shaking his head. Well, that was just an EPL game, a regular EPL game, and Chelsea beat Man City 2-1 to one in that game. Uh, if that was any indication of the way they're going to play the finals of the Champions League, we're in for a great match at the end of the month. Uh, Chelsea uh, beat Man City 2-1 to one this past weekend, EPL game only. And so uh, we'll see how, uh, how that compares to what's going to happen at the end of the month. Okay, very good. Uh, moving on to Ligue 1 there in France. Uh, Lille is still on top of uh, Ligue 1 at 79 points. Uh, PSG at 76 points. By the way, don't know if you heard Neymar has signed on till 2025. 
to stay with PSG. I know they're all happy about that. Uh, Monaco's at 74, Lyon at 73. So basically what we've got, we've got a four-team scramble for the championship of Ligue 1. Now, Lyon is at 73, six points out of first. They could, they've got a shot at it, but I'll tell you what, PSG and Monaco have got a better shot. And Monaco, I like this Monaco-PSG rivalry right now going for the top of uh, Ligue 1. This is something that uh, the league has needed for a few years. Uh, you've got this back old rivalry back again, and it's just fascinating to watch. So Monaco and PSG are behind Lille. Uh, it's it's a dogfight to the end. And so uh, it's going to be exciting down to the wire. Bundesliga's got Bayern Munich at 74 points on top, then RB Leipzig at 64, Wolfsburg at 60, Dortmund at 58, and Eintracht Frankfurt at 57. Now, Dortmund and Eintracht Frankfurt are trying to figure out who's going to go to uh, Europa League and who's going to go to Champions League. So Dortmund, of course, has got Erling Holland and Gio Reyna from the United States. So we will see um, how those teams figure it out. But that's going to be an interesting uh, little uh, race right there. Bayern Munich, for all intents and purposes, has got it wrapped up. It just hasn't been made official yet. La Liga, Atletico Madrid on top, 77 points. But Real Madrid right behind them at 75. They just can't seem to get over that hurdle and get ahead of Atletico Madrid. Barcelona doesn't want to be left out, though. They're at 75 points also. Sevilla at 71. It's basically a form-team race in La Liga right now. Sevilla, an outside chance to get to the title, but they're going to have to put together some wins uh, consecutively, like a three- or four-game winning streak uh, in order to do that. Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, boy, I tell you what, this has been a dogfight all year. Both teams in the, another, another city rivalry, and uh, it's got fans' attention, trust me. So uh, this has been interesting to watch. Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, they've got some tough games coming down the stretch. Uh, be interesting to see who can hold out and who can win the title. Barcelona, though, doesn't want to be counted out. They've got some tough games, too, that they've got to take care of. Uh, they have uh, got tied the other day by Atletico Madrid 0-0. And so uh, Atletico Madrid is putting out everybody on notice that they are not going to fall easily if they do. Um, watch for Atletico Madrid. That's a, that's a good team, very talented team. Serie A. Of course, Inter Milan champions already, but you've got a dogfight going on uh, behind them for the uh, next four teams. Atalanta at 72, AC Milan at 72, Napoli at 70, and Juventus at 69. Now, Napoli at 70, Juventus at 69, that's the last position for Champions League and the position for Europa League. And I know that uh, Juventus with Ronaldo, they don't want to go to Europa League. They want to go to Champions League, okay? So uh, there's going to be a dogfight there. Napoli, great team, good talent. Good coach. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all ends up uh, down the stretch in the finals. In the Mexico playoffs, uh, first round uh, of games, Santos defeated Caretero 5-0, and Atlas took care of Tigres 1-0. Uh, as you know, uh, Tuca Ferretti is leaving Tigres, and he uh, has expressed an exire, a desire to coach in the MLS. So we'll see if somebody hosts it. I'll tell you what, if a team hires him, <laughs> their team is all of a sudden going to make a statement because that is one Good coach. And Tigres is losing a great coach for sure. So Tico, Tuca Ferretti may show up in the MLS here next year. Okay, let's look at the uh, MLS now. In the East Division, NYCFC is at seven points along with New England. The Red Bulls are in third place. And then after that, the fourth, fifth, and sixth teams in the East Division of MLS are teams with no losses. Orlando City, Nashville, and Columbus have no losses at this point, but they're in fourth, fifth, and sixth place. So we'll see um, how they continue to fare during the next couple of weeks. 
In the West, we only have one team with no losses. That, of course, is Seattle Sounders. That's a great, great team. Lots of talent there. Uh, San Jose is at nine behind Seattle's 10 points. And LA Galaxy is at nine also. And uh, Chicharito is off to a great start with uh, the LA Galaxy. Five goals in 238 minutes of uh, playing time. He's doing very well and uh, looks to have a great season if he continues on this streak he's on. Vancouver's at seven and Colorado is at seven points. Okay, coming up on TV for uh, for Monday, Real Betis in Granada, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time on BN Sport. Porto and Forense from the Portuguese League are going to be on Gold TV at 3.15 Eastern time. On Tuesday, Levante and Barcelona from La Liga at 4 o'clock Eastern time, BN Sport. Nacional and Benfica from the Portuguese League on Gold TV at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Then a big one, folks, and mark this one on your calendar, Tuesday. Copa Libertadores Santos. From Brazil, that's right, against Boca Juniors. This is the Copa Libertadores. This is not a game for just, you know, for, you know, friendly or no, no, no. This means business, okay? And trust me, when these two teams get together, (laughs) it's business, okay? Because Boca Juniors is the most storied franchise probably in Argentina besides River Plate, okay? And Santos, of course, well, we all know about Santos. That's where Pelé played. Beautiful city down there on the coast just south of uh, Sao Paulo. Uh, B in Sport is going to carry that game 6.15 Eastern Time Tuesday. Copa Libertadores, mark that one on your calendar. You won't be disappointed. Uh, Union Calera is going to follow that against Flamengo. Union Calera from uh, Chile up there just uh, just northwest of Santiago. And they're going to play Flamengo from Brazil. That'll be a, a doubleheader on there at 8.30 Eastern Time on B in Sport. Good stuff there from Copa Libertadores. On Wednesday, uh, NBC Universo, Chelsea and Arsenal are going to play at 3.15 Eastern time. NBC Universo. Doubleheader on La Liga, uh, 1 and 4 o'clock on Wednesday on BN Sport. Then uh, Sassuolo and Juventus are going to play on ESPN2 Wednesday at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time. That'll be a good game. Juventus needs to win that game, and they're going to be on the road. Uh, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, Copa Libertadores Jr. from Barranquilla, Colombia, going up against River Plate from Argentina. That will be a good match for sure. Also, six MLS games on tap for Wednesday. Check your local listings. Thursday, we got Granada and Real Madrid uh, being sport 4 o'clock Eastern time. That's going to be a game Madrid needs to win. They'll be on the road. ESPN2 on Thursday is going to show RB Leipzig and Borussia Dortmund at 2.45 Eastern time. And then on uh, BN Sport, 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock Eastern time Thursday, Copa Libertadores with a double header. On Saturday, you got Chelsea and Leicester City playing for the FA Cup. It's going to be on ESPN Plus and ESPN app. Uh, you got 12 EPL games on Saturday on NBCSN starting at 7.30 a.m. and 10 a.m. Uh, two games on NBCSN, but 12 EPL games overall. Eight MLS games on Saturday as well uh, on uh, on TV. Sunday, 9.05 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You've got the EPL on Telemundo local stations. Uh, 6.30 a.m. ESPN2 if you're interested Sunday morning and you want to get up that early. Serie A will be shown on ESPN2. Then 12.30 p.m. Real Madrid will play on BN Sport. Five MLS games on tap Sunday. Uh, the featured game is at 4 o'clock Eastern time, which will be Cincinnati going up against Inter-Miami. That's going to do it for Kicks and Dribbles this week. Muchas gracias. Merci beaucoup. Muito obrigado. Muito grazie. 
Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Dan McClay. Lauren McClay, of course, is our executive producer. And John Dang handles our sound. DC McClay is in our ideas department. We will talk to you next week. Great soccer coming up this week. Uh, of course, you know, well, next week we'll have you uh, all the information about the uh, finals of the Champions League and where they will hold that for sure. But in the meantime, please don't let your life have too many yellow cards.